Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Thank you for sharing your middays with us. We're going to be with you until 3 p.m. Then we'll hand it off to Kyle Bailey for 3 to 6. And you can text in, share your thoughts and comments on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line, 704-570-9610, 704-570-9610. I know we usually like to send a question to the text line. We asked all of you sickos to tell us the biggest example of sickness you ever experienced in the sports world. Well, I actually had a memory pop up on my Facebook earlier today. That was a perfect example for this. Reminded so I want to bring you how much of a sicko you are. Oh, it reminded me. I did not even realize how sick I was. But it was today, 13 years ago, that the Panthers got their second win in 2010 mm. over the Arizona Cardinals at Bank of America Stadium. They won 19 to 12. And I was at that game. The only game I attended the 2010 season just so happened to be a win and also is the best example. I didn't realize it would be 13 years ago, the anniversary of my best example, but there it was. And that's that line, by the way, Jimmy Clausen, 140 passing yards and one touchdown pass. Hmm. Jay Stu ran for 137 yards, 27 carries leading receiver, Brandon LaFell at 33 receiving yards. And that was good enough to win against the Cardinals and John Skelton. That's right. John Skelton was Arizona's QB. And so Oh was, yeah, I remember him. Right. That was the time that they got the second win. So coincidence, the fact that we're talking about a second win that the Panthers were able to get this last game against the Atlanta Falcons, against some birds even. Let's try to stretch this comparison even more so, Wes. I wanted to do it. I wanted to show you guys exactly, you know, how far we've come, you know, and then gone full circle after going to a Super Bowl and then coming back to a two-win team. You can text in 704-570-9610. What do you remember about that game? <laughs> what do you remember about the 2010 season? Because, yeah, that's a, a season that a lot of people are comparing to what they've gone through this year in 2023. I mean, not much at all. Very forgettable. Like yeah. you said, I mean, John <laughs> yeah. Skelton, there's definitely some blasts from the past as far as names there. But, yeah, definitely uh, not a remarkable year, to say the least. No, it wasn't. It's also not been a remarkable year for the Charlotte Hornets, who were in action last night. They lose to the Toronto Raptors. It was really the fourth quarter that did them in. It was them losing 114-99, to and it was a close game. Up until the fourth quarter, they got outscored 35 to 18. And let's just pull up to the scene here real quickly and start talking about it and some of the other nonsense that we had to go through yesterday as Hornets fans. Go ahead, pull up, Fiddy. Let's open up the doors and get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. The Hornets were short manned again last night. Didn't have a lot of people, didn't have a lot of the rotation. 
You didn't have Gordon Hayward, who was still battling a an illness. You did not have LaMelo Ball because LaMelo was continuing to battle an ankle injury. They had Terry Rozier. They had P.J. Washington and Brandon Miller. But, Wes, they also didn't have Miles Bridges, who was denied access across the border. border. Yep, that's right. So, Miles Bridges was denied entrance to Canada due to his past legal problems, pled no contest to a felony charge of injuring a child's parent, was denied access to Canada on Sunday, and the Hornets ruled him out around an hour before tip-off, and they said he was not with the team at the time. So, here we are with just more nonsense and some of the ramifications that come with bringing Miles Bridges back to a squad after he did plead no contest, and even since then had an alleged violation of the protection order because of the first incident in question here. And we're going to play Toronto again here in Charlotte. Actually, you know, in Toronto, I should say. March 3rd. So I don't know if they're going to have this situation cleared up by then. But it just seems like a lot of unnecessary problems that are happening with the Charlotte Hornets now that this is a team also 10 games and more below 500 at this point. Does not look like they're going to make the play-in tournament to have a go at the postseason and get to the playoffs. If I were to ask you, would you do it all over again? In hindsight, certainly, the answer is pretty clearly no with everything that's gone on since you brought Miles back and since the start of the season. Yeah, exactly. I was talking about it this morning to someone, and I said, man, this is the worst it's been in Charlotte sports. I think we're at rock bottom because both teams are just among the worst in their respective sports. And you talk about the Hornets with Miles Bridges, and the hits just keep on coming. And... I don't think it would have mattered a ton if he would have been able to play in this basketball game, but this is just a franchise that you don't have much confidence in. The only thing that I could tell the fellow Charlotteans out there is that the only thing that when you hit rock bottom, there's hope for the way up. And especially with the Hornets, and they'll be able to hopefully add another lottery pick or two in the coming seasons, and hopefully free agency, some things will happen there. Who knows? Panthers don't have the first round pick, but that's the thing is just the hope for tomorrow. But you know, with the ownership and a lot of the things that have happened there, that's even uh, questionable at this point. But for the Charlotte Hornets to come out again, I mean, you're not going to win many games with those guys as your main cogs when you talk about Rozier, P.J. Washington being arguably your number two guy going into a basketball game, and then Brandon Miller, who's still learning on yeah. the job, still trying to get his sea legs under him in the NBA. It just doesn't, it just doesn't bode well for this team against anybody that they play. And again, just talking about Coach Clifford, man, this has to be the absolute worst-case scenario for him coming back to take this job. You brought up how rock bottom we are. It's been a phrase that we've used way too much. If you're a fan of either one of these teams, if you are a Charlotte sports fan, we used it way too much for Carolina. Here we are now using it for the Charlotte Hornets. And at least you have a win with Carolina. The topic of discussion this entire week is going to be, can you build off of Bryce's second game-winning drive? At least we have multiple game-winning drives. No, you don't have to look like the greatest show on turf, but there is something positive to talk about there. And we can get the magnifying glass out and look at some positive with the Hornets. Bryce McGowan's played well enough, but like it has to come with that kind of caveat. Yes. Like that, you you really have to look. Using words like well enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, it is it is the appropriate caveat when trying to find the positives. And I'm, I'm totally with you on this. I brought the same exact point up on Lockdown Hornets today, Wes. We're reaching peak bleak, if you want to rhyme it. We're reaching peak apathy. 
it's been a culmination of the last four or five seasons that just haven't resulted in anything worth bragging about. You have the Charlotte Hornets who get to the play-in a couple of times, which is a good achievement for them, but then they get blown out. And there's just no progress made because they get blown out the first uh, uh, post-season play-in game. They get blown out. Mm -hmm. They have the box score up the entire year. Hey, it's a constant reminder. Every time we walk into the locker room, we see just how bad we got beat by the Indiana Pacers. And what happens the next year? They get to the play-in game. They get bounced in the very first game they play. And they lose by an even worse margin than they did the first time. Despite having the quote-unquote motivation of the box score continuing to stay up there in the locker room. So then after that, you fire James Brago. You bring Steve Clifford in. And look, we have our fun about who should be the coach, James Brago or Steve Clifford. But... I don't know if James Brago's doing anything with this roster. Steve Clifford certainly isn't because of all of the injuries that you have. Pat Riley, Phil Jackson, the list goes on and on. Your bench was Leaky Black, JT Thor, Ish Smith, who was about to hit the links this offseason, and Nick Smith Jr., who was a a late first-round rookie. That was your bench. I'll say it again. Leaky Black, undrafted rookie, Nick Smith Jr., late first-round pick, rookie, Ish Smith, had to be called off the couch. And JT Thor, who just ain't getting it. No. That was your bench. Everybody else was hurt or was playing in this game like PJ, Brandon, Nick, Terry, Bryce. That was your starting five. So it's going to continue to be similar to this, especially when you hit this West Coast road trip, especially with the schedule being harder. And fans realize it. Now we're talking about just completely gutting the franchise and trying to figure out who needs to be here long term. LaMelo, Brandon, Mark Williams, whoever else. Steve Clifford, gone. Mitch Mitch Kupchak, gone. But Wes, it feels like people are now at their breaking point where they're just, okay, man, like this is is what the Hornets do. 27 wins last year. They're not going to get to a play-in game again. Miles Bridges now getting denied entry into Toronto. That, are we serious? Uh, we, we can't even get guys across the border to play yeah. a game right now? <laughs> Is that what's happening? We're relying on Nathan Mensah to give us some center depth. The guy that played two games in his NBA career so far. It's just really tough to watch this team every single night and expect anything different, Wes. And I think that's why you and I both have a very similar feeling that we did not talk about before we hopped on the airwaves. It's a very similar feeling of apathy within the fan base towards this team and even with us to some extent. And see, the thing, too, you know, you talk about a guy like P.J. Washington, wants to be paid like a big dog, wants to get out there and fancy himself as one of the better, younger players in the league, relatively young. But, you know, out of his last seven games, he had he's had six in double digits, but only a high of 18. And then you talk about the shooting percentages, five of 16 last night, albeit he's coming off of missing two ball games, four of 10, well, yeah, two hurts. of 11, four of 13 uh, on December 6th against the Bulls. And that's the thing. It's like, you want to be a big dog. Well, these are the times that you have to show that. When you become one of the guys that they depend on and you're not just one of a bunch of guys that on a given night you can go off because there's not a ton of pressure on you and you're benefiting from the Lamellos and the Terrys and Haywards and all those guys. It's like when you're called on to be a key cog, it's like, can you deliver? And he hasn't been doing that. Terry's been really the only guy that's been a big producer for this franchise with all of the injuries that have happened. But yes, with the Hornets, it is time. I mean, this team is 20th in shooting, whether you talk field goals or three-point percentage, 25th in rebounding. Their own coaches called them soft in in so many ways. 
it's time to really just turn the page, blow this thing up, and try to turn the ship in the right direction by any means necessary because it's just getting out of hand. Uh, we can go to the Carolina Men's Clinic text line about your Hornets thoughts. Panther Bo said, who's playing Steve Clifford in the Hornets docu-series, Losing Time? And Michael Jordan got out of Dodge before that documentary Then the 336 number said, even our Canes are struggling, which I've been meaning to give you guys updates. But they lost the other night. They've won two out of three. But before that, lost four in a row for a team that's Stanley Cup favorites. And that's 16 and 12. Yeah. Uh, Bebop from Rock Thrill writing in. Walker, do you think an owner who desires an offensive football team is going to stick with a quarterback? That's a different text to be honest but here we are also saying frank cody and pj were on the bench maybe that is to say at the beginning of the season that you were hoping to have those guys on the bench but even your late point guard addition in frank nilakina and cody martin who you just want to come back and we have no clue when he's going to come back that still hasn't happened yet panther west said i'm sick of Lamelo always being hurt no one plays hurt anymore well i'm not going to blame Lamelo for not going out there with a sprained ankle but i can understand the frustration for Lamelo being hurt because it's happened a lot over the last couple of seasons and some of the sentiment and i'd be interested to ask the text is this because you know my boy my boy oh we, we were talking about this with the hornets and he said when he talked about blowing a team up, he said everybody. He said LaMelo included. He was like, they're not doing anything with them. What should they do? I wonder where the fans, where their temperature is on that as well. Like if you were able to get a, a good package for Melo because we've talked about, you know, the type of leader that he is. Like he's fun. He likes, he wants to win and he's a, he's a fun winner. He's not an intense at all costs. If, if you don't play the way you need to play, we're going to have some issues in the locker room type of winner, which to me, you know, yields the results that they yield. We've seen the bad boys. We've seen Michael Jordan. We've seen some of this stuff. You heard some of the stuff in the past, Shaq and Kobe, those type of guys. And so it's like if you want to change the coach, I wonder the pulse of this city. Do they feel like that LaMelo is a problem and that he should be a guy that the Hornets should maybe look to move? And then as I say this, many from the city says yes, LaMelo included. Get rid of him. He isn't a franchise-changing player anyway, and he's always hurt. I think that's an interesting topic to think about as well. The always hurt part is the only thing that is scaring me right now. Like, I, I think LaMelo is a good player. You can find leaders on this team, possibly elsewhere, and maybe because he is only 22, you can figure out who he can be as a leader as he goes forward. Like, you're talking about still a lot of basketball left for him, but also I wonder if the Hornets continue to lose and if they do this retooling slash rebuilding thing with LaMelo, is he going to be one of the next disgruntled superstars or next disgruntled even all-stars to where he requests a trade because that is in play as this thing goes longer trey young is probably the next candidate for that type of hey i'm tired of losing i'm tired of being in the same organization maybe he's that next guy i know nba analysts think that there could be another one but Lamelo is going to be in that realm and he's never said that by the way and that's been important to note Lamelo has always said how much he likes it here in charlotte always always given the backing of the city saying don't worry i like it here he spends his off seasons here at times and so it's not necessarily him right now but things can change when you lose as much as he has when this team has lost as much as they have that's something that you're going to have to consider and so do you want to really get out in front of this or do you just want to keep him and let him come to you on that i i would do the latter but yeah. we'll see how fans feel yeah, and i like, they can I like to what 704840 says as far as Melo, mark and miller should be the only ones kept literally everyone else should be gone that was my sentiment that i Same. think Melo, mark brandon miller 
keep those guys, build around that, everybody else, goodbye. Well, and depending on how much you could get in return. Yeah. We'll see what you could do there. All right, it's Wes and Walker talking about the Charlotte Hornets. You can text in your thoughts about the Hornets as well. Coming up next, Second Take Tuesday, we'll go over some of the impact plays in the Panthers-Falcons game, seeing Bryce Young move down the field and get Carolina their second victory on the season. Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Wesson Walker back, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Going to the text line, reading some of your Hornets thoughts. Jason and Concord said, keep Nick Richards also. Okay. Back up center. He's fine enough. I don't know if you would say he's untouchable by any means. But this is how it's going to work, though. Like, I think there is going to be a lot of turnover next season, or certainly more than you've ever seen, because the roster just doesn't change that much in the yeah. Mitch Kupchak tenure. Outside of draft picks accumulating that's about the only change that you see. But if you wanted to keep Nick Richards, like, that's fine. It just doesn't mean you hold on to him at all costs. Like, you go into an offseason with the intent of keeping LaMelo, Brandon, and Mark. And those guys aren't being shopped. People can call and say, how much would it take? It'd be, well, it'd be a lot of first-round picks. For Mark, it would be whatever. But you're still keeping them as much as you possibly can. For Gordon Hayward, for Terry Rozier, for even P.J., for whoever, yeah, you can start to figure out what the market is on all of those guys. Uh, Rachel said the Hornets could not let us have that victory Monday without acting foolish. That is correct. The Charlotte Hornets <laughs> would not let us have that. How um, dare you? Uh, yeah, there are plenty of other Hornets texts that we can get to in just a moment. And uh, most people just are frustrated with a lot of the losing that's gone on. At least the Panthers did give us a victory Monday. And there are some plays to talk about here. A part of victory Monday. There are. Let's do it for a second take Tuesday. Wes, why don't you lead us off? What play do you have for your first play to break down? Well, I started out in the first quarter uh, when Dante and Frankie Louvu made those big defensive plays on third and fourth down, respectively. I thought that that set the tone for this defense when they had one of their best days in the season on a unit from a total defense standpoint that's been playing really well. Uh, I thought Dante coming up, sticking his head in it. He might get hurt in a lot of cases when he does uh, stick his head in for those tackles, but he will do it. And that's one thing I'll give him credit yeah, for. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and he got yeah. in there. Yeah, he might get a little banged up when he does, but he'll do or it. Or miss and, it entirely. Like, that's what I love about Dante. He's not scared to do it. He's just either going to whiff 
He might get injured or he might make the play, but yeah. he's not scared to do it. And on this time, he did make the play. And then on fourth down, uh, Frankie Louvu came through there uh, and made the play as well. And I thought that that was big, man. I'm all about psychology of sport and setting tones in games. And I think when your defense comes out on back-to-back plays like that and uh, makes big stops, I think that gives your team a shot in the arm. No, I love that. I think it goes in line with the cornerbacks playing a lot better this year than what they did last year. And J.C. Horn, it's it's a little weird because he's been injured for so much of the season. Yeah. I can understand either side of the argument. He's, well, been, he's been back. He's been playing yeah, well. Yeah, right. Um, I'm going to go with the offensive side of the football. And I feel like because, of course, we're going to focus on the game-winning drive. Mm-hmm. I feel like another important drive was the drive at the end of the first half. And we actually saw some creativity from Thomas Brown to lead us off. And Wes, I want to go to that second drive just as a whole, but I will focus on a few plays. It's just you had everybody step up, it felt like. Atlanta scores a touchdown. All the jokes start rolling in on Twitter. Oh, they scored a touchdown. Game's out of reach. And that's how we feel. It's only part joking. Like, you're 46% joking. Everything else is the truth. Yeah. But then they come out. Smith-Marset gets it on an end around. Hey, this guy's really fast and a good playmaker. Let's give him the football. I like him. Yeah, I do too. Let's give him the football and see what happens. And you know what? On a first down, you hand it to him on an end around, and he picks up 15 yards. Okay, Bryce Young steps up. The offensive line pass protects. Separation. Adam Thielen juked my guy where his shoes almost uh, fell off. That was a second and 16 play, and that's what I want to roll with. There are plenty on this drive you could pick. I want to roll with the Adam Thielen play because they were at a second and 16 where Chuba Hubbard runs, has a one-yard loss, but then there's a penalty, I believe, that sets him back a little bit. And then you need to pick up a lot of chunk. You need to pick up a lot of yards to set yourself up for a nice third-down scenario. And boy, do they do it when Adam Thielen breaks back to the line of scrimmage. And with that break, the cornerback almost falls down. I mean, it's like an and-one juke-out move. Thielen goes to the sideline. Bryce Young realizes it. Plenty of separation. And Thielen is able to put them in a third-and-three scenario. After second-and-sixteen, I was like, okay, that might do it. Penalty, bad plays, might do it. They're not going to be able to score. But on that one play, it keeps them alive. And then the offensive line continues to produce for him. Thielen had a couple of catches on that drive. So I I just really liked that one to erase what could have been detrimental. What could have erased the good drive right from the start. But everybody steps up. Offensive line protects. Bryce Young delivers a nice pass. Adam Thielen gets separation. Thomas Brown showing some creativity. We haven't seen everything click like that. It's really rare. And we got to see it at least a few times in this game. Yeah, and so I'm going to go to offense as well for my second play and looking at when Bryce Young threw that complete Completion to uh, Sullivan late in the second quarter. It yeah, was a 37. And, you know, you look at it and two things there. For one, you love that Bryce did a great job of throwing to Sullivan in the face of pressure. Uh, that's what NFL quarterbacks do. You want to know the prerequisite for being a successful NFL quarterback. It's defensive lineman coming in your face about to blow you up and you still step up and throw it and complete it. But Sullivan, though, when he makes this catch, he's a guy that's just been popping up over the last month, making catches and coming through with plays. He's got some bravado. He's getting up and talking a little trash. And I'm like, is this a guy that could be a solution at tight end? Maybe not necessarily a starter. I'm not saying the guy's going to be the next Tony Gonzalez. But is this a guy that could be a good rotational tight end? Maybe you roll with 
Sullivan and Trumbull for next season as your guys to see what maybe they could do. But this is a guy that's been kind of dependable. I mean, he hasn't made a bunch of catches, but when they've thrown it his way more times than not, he's come up with the football. And just when you look at his makeup, he's a tall guy. He's got good size. Yeah. And you just wonder, you like, is this a guy that could be a solution at tight end if you give him more opportunity? No, and Steven Sullivan, he's going to make a play, one play a game. And I think T-Bone was talking about this earlier this week where, yeah, he'll have one reception per outing. But it feels like they're big plays every single time, Wes. Yeah. Anytime Sullivan brings in the football, it's going to extend the chains. It's going to be one of the deeper passes that they have all season long. There was that one outing where he had like four receptions. But when we do this, hey, everything needs to change. We'll have a conversation about what needs a gut job more, the Hornets or the Panthers. But with the Panthers, like there's some guys that you can hang on to because you're not going to get much value trading Steven Sullivan anyway. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you could cut him, but... I don't know how much work that I don't know how much value that would bring to yeah, you. I mean, he's got nine catches for 104 yards. Bring it in. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> well, but no. at six five, two forty five, yeah. I mean, he's you know he's got some of the skills and some of the makeup you want to be a guy that could contribute. Yeah, well, I love it. Uh, Steven Sullivan has been doing a nice job. All right, I want to go to one play here, third and seven, and it's late in the third quarter, but I just thought that this was a nice play for Carolina to be able to make one, and it's Marquise Haynes actually on the outside making a play in the run game. Marquise Haynes, known as the NASCAR package, flyer, small guy coming out of Ole Miss, and we've missed him in a pass rushing sense this entire year. Maybe not an all-star pass rusher, but you don't need to be an all-star pass rusher in this defensive set in order to put up some numbers. We just need some average production. We need something competent, and what was nice to have here with Marquise Haynes making a play on third and seven, it was, here's a smaller guy getting across the line of scrimmage and actually bringing down Bajan Robinson, forcing a punt on the Atlanta Falcons part. I just thought here is another guy stepping up that's been injured quite a bit, doing something out of the ordinary for him, getting a, 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 a some production mm-hmm. from a place we usually don't see it from a certain player. And we even saw some plays from Thurman, certainly Derek Brown, and even Brian Burns. Like Those are the guys you expect to see it from. But Haynes making a big old tackle in the run game on third and seven, I thought was a big play for them to stop that drive. Because yeah, that I'm, was even after a deep play for them, um, I think, to set them up even at midfield. Yeah, and he's another guy that since he's come back from injury, he just flashes. Every now and again, you'll see him, he'll pop up and, and make a big play. And staying on the defensive side, I'm going to go to the Xavier Woods interception uh, in the fourth quarter and it set up the game-winning drive and got the Panthers the ball back. But in my mind, Xavier Woods, to me, when he's been on the field, it's been debatable if he's the, the second most valuable defensive Panther so far. I mean, you got Derrick Brown, to me, that's been the guy. He stepped up. I know that Brian Burns has his stats when you look at the TFLs, but the sacks, like I said, coming into this matchup, two in seven games, just inconsistent. I know he gets the double teams and some of that, but still just not enough from him. But I just feel like Xavier Woods is a guy you feel his impact when he's out there on the field, whether it's making a big hit or whether it's getting an interception or whether making a play in the second day. Xavier Woods has been a really, really good player for this team this year. Yeah, I mean, I think if you talk about Somebody that you trust. I trusted him as a safety. I think we felt pretty good about the safety duo coming into the season. But you talk about a sense. Frankie Louva, we already loved coming in. Derek Brown already flashed last year. Brian Burns is asking for $30 million And at some point, worth probably 25 I think 25 most people would agree with. He's fine you know, being paid that kind of money. 
But from an ascent standpoint, from average, helpful, somebody that you rely on to, oh, he's good. Yeah. Like, he's really good. Xavier Woods probably embodies that as much as anybody on the team. Adam Thielen on offense with that same kind of glow up. But Xavier Woods on defense has been that guy. He's certainly a building block uh, for this defense going forward. I think it's a guy that they need to keep. Um, I'm going to continue to roll with uh, Amir Smith-Marset. Every single play, they gave him a football. He was going to pick up 8, 9, 10 yards. He got 15 the first play of the game, and then they just said, all right, it's working. I don't know how creative it is if you just keep going back to it on some end arounds, but he's really fast, and he's good in the return game. Let's just keep giving him the football, even in red zone territory, and see what he can do. And all he did was continue to produce for them. I wonder, the reason I point those plays out is, he's starting to get a lot more involved in the offense. Like, they kind of flirted with throwing him a few screen passes here and then, but he probably averaged a touch probably every, like, three plays, or excuse me, three games or so. I wonder now just how many touches he's going to get on a game-to-game basis. If you look at his stats from this game against Atlanta, Four carries, 31 yards, two receptions for only one. But when he was involved in the rushing attack, he was able to pick up 7.8 yards per carry. Like, I just, we need some explosion. Where else are you going to get it from? And so I wonder if that's something that can set us, okay, the last few games of the season, maybe you can get your explosion from a guy you traded a conditional seventh-round pick for. There's not a lot of trades that Scott Fitterer has won. I don't know how impactful it's going to be, but he won this one. Already worth it. A conditional seventh-round pick that I don't even know if you're going to use anyway. It's at least taking a flyer on somebody that's helpful for you at the end of the season. No, I I like this guy a lot, but I, I like the type of player that he is. When you talk about coming out of the University of Iowa, this is a 4-4-3 guy that he ran at his pro day. These are the type of players you need to create mismatches to keep the defense thinking because to your point, Walker, when you talked about you didn't know – how beneficial it could be to do it multiple times. I like it a lot because whether he gets the football or not, I got to pay attention to that. A guy with that kind of speed, I got to pay attention to that. And it's going to make me freeze for that split second for guys to be able to get on their blocks easier, for Chuba Hubbard to be able to find that hole just a little bit easier and get up into that second level. That's what that does because especially after he proves effective on a carry or two, When I see that guy coming flying around the corner, if I'm a linebacker, I got to pay attention to that. I can't just dismiss it and say, oh, he ain't going to get the ball because then he gets the ball and boom, he's gone. And then you're looking stupid. So that's why I do like them giving the football as much as he did because it gives you something else to think about. These are the type of players that you need and the type of play calling that you need. You got to always have the defense thinking about something because in the NFL, it's all about freezing a guy for that half a second or that full second for them to stop and think for for just in that frame of time. Is this guy going to get the ball? What do I need to do right here? And then, boom, here comes Tuba. And then you're not ready for it. He catches you lacking, runs you over, or is able to get four to five yards. So I like what he brings a lot. I'm not sure what took them a while to be able to incorporate this guy. But he's definitely got the type of speed and mismatch type of ability potential that the Panthers could use going forward. They gave him six total touches, four rushes, two receptions. And they gave him the ball three straight times at the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth. First and 10 from the Atlanta 24, left tackle three yards. All right, second and seven, give it to him again. Pushed out of bounds for eight yards. All right, first and 10 at the Atlanta 13, coming out for the fourth quarter. What do we do? We give it to him again. Like three straight plays. 
three straight plays, and he was able to get eight and nine on the last two. Concord Jason uh, has a great tweet. He says, Smith Marset can be our Debo Samuel from Wish. Exactly. That's what it's like. <laughs> have you it. shopped at Wish or Shein or any of those before? I know what it is. I have not shopped on it yet. Oh, but yeah. I, I know people that love them, but I just haven't. Uh, I don't know. I, every time I look at some of the articles of clothing, I just haven't pulled the trigger, but I like them. I've done some Timo. Okay. Yeah, I know people like it. Stuff that I got. What do you, you think? Saw my USA Basketball shorts. Those are from Timo. Okay. No, I've seen some cool stuff. I just haven't, you know, I haven't uh, found something enough that wanted me to pull the trigger. I feel like Walker. If you were to visit their site, you would have wished you'd done it sooner. I would have wished nice. what? You Did he have you bought anything from any of these sites? <laughs> um, no. Yeah, I'm telling you guys, I, right. I'm giving you the cosign. Uh, Timo's got some some good stuff. All right. Amir Smith Marset, <laughs> wish Debo Samuel. I like all of it. Do you have anything else for us here when it comes to Second Take Tuesday? No, man, we're good. All right, that is it for Second Take Tuesday. We had a couple of uh, defensive plays. Marquise Haynes making a play in the run game. Dante Jackson also coming in for a tackle. And perhaps a new explosive player on the offense, Amir Smith Marset, trading that like conditional. It was the equivalent to me of trading a top 55 protected pick in the NBA because you need to trade something in order for there to be a transaction. And it usually doesn't convey anyway. That's how I felt about trading for Amir Smith-Marset, who I believe led the preseason in receiving yards for Kansas City. And yeah. speaking of Kansas City, uh, I wonder if they like, regret hey, trading uh, him away to back? Carolina. It's a great question. Yeah. I, You know what? I'm not even kidding about this. I, I don't want to be so ridiculous, but knowing what they know now, Especially with Tony, every single drop is the worst drop ever for Kadarius Tony. He's going to drop it, and it's going to be an interception. And penalties. It's it's killer for them. So especially with Rasheed Rice being the only one that you can somewhat consistently depend on at the wide receiver spot, I really do wonder if they would have done that trade knowing what they know now. Because there's just no way you can. No wide receiver stepped up outside of Rasheed, who looks like he's going to be good. But Sky Moore, nothing. Kadarius Toney dropping everything. And even with the Travis Kelsey, who doesn't look like the Travis Kelsey that he had the previous five, ten seasons. We took something from Kansas City. That's how I see it. Well, you know, took a star. Know, Patrick Mahomes hadn't took so much money. He might still have uh, Tyreek Hill, you know. Uh, I, I, look, you could afford to pay both of them. <laughs> Kansas City just didn't want to. And so maybe Amir Smith can be our Tyreek Hill, our Timu Tyreek. That's what we can say. Timu Tyreek. <laughs> uh, Timu Tyreek. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. We got a few inductions in the Charlotte sports scene got a few inductions steve smith bob mckillop jim nance randolph childress we'll talk about all that coming up next sports radio 92.7 wfnz mcdonald's is not new to chicken so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the mccrispy juicy fried chicken buttery bun unmatched pickle to chicken ratio yeah they know what they're doing in fact we can honestly say they're not new to chicken they're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
talking about the positives on Second Take Tuesday. 828 wrote in on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line. How about a big shout-out for Gabe Jackson? I believe his first play was a pancake block. That's uh, Steve from Lenore area. I, I, I like how Steve said Steve from L.A. and then in parentheses, Lenore area. Not going to lie to you. Even being from North Carolina, mm. would have gone Los Angeles with the big old L.A. instead of Lenore area. But yeah. perhaps I need to prioritize a little differently. What is I that think what they LA. call it in Lenore? Do they say, hey, man, we're in L.A.? You mean like is it a G Vegas thing for Greenville? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know yeah. that, that was the L.A. What, what are you thinking over there, Fetty? Uh, those of us that are real ones from historic Lancaster, we call Lancaster L.A. Why? Just because it's the first two letters there? You like, it doesn't really out a cap. No, I'm being I'm being dead serious. Like it it, it still it, it might not be a thing now, but like when I became I got a high school or whatever, people are like, hey, where are you going? Going to L.A., baby. So is this just something you did and it never caught on? No, I was. No, at the time, I thought it was very stupid. I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. But now I do it and I realize it's not stupid and it's the way you should. You know, look, Lancaster is the L.A. of the South, okay? How so? I would love to hear that comparison. How How is it, Fiddy? I Like, I wanted to move on, but now I'm actually curious. How is L.A.? How is Lancaster, the L.A. of the South? We got a fancy golf course. Um, you know, there's a lot of... <laughs> oh, he got a cosign. He got a cosign on the text line. Yeah, okay. 704 number says L.A. People are saying it's he's for Lancaster, real. for yeah. real. Somebody else says still call it L.A. So take back all those negative things you said, Walker. I'm just asking what the comparison is. Yeah, I, I didn't forget. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, we got a fancy golf course. <laughs> a lot of bougie, rich people live there. Um, overpriced, undercooked food. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's meeting all the democratic demographics of, of Los Angeles. Got an airport. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> all right. From yeah. He's getting big cosigns on here. About five or six texts have rolled in cosigning. I stand on life. business, Wes. Mm. Told you yesterday. Let's go. He's getting real hype. I like it. Over LA. You know, yesterday Lancaster. he was a little chippy, but today Meek. he's back. Oh, he's still chippy. You think so? I think yeah. today's back. Well, he's he's a little different. I think it, there was not enough time between a North Carolina Dallas Cowboy loss and the show. Yeah, but now there's a little bit. Yeah. He's coming. He's coming out of it. Yeah. But he's still. Chi- I think he. I think he rolls into the parking lot, Chippy. Yeah, he's recovered from the tough weekend. You know, there's a lot of people still. Okay, yeah, and people are also saying, okay, he might be right. It's still very stupid, but okay. Mooresville what- <laughs> is Motown, dirty mo. Okay, I've heard. I think Good that. Lord. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> I knew about Gastonia being the gas house. Yeah, gas house, Motown. big time. All right. Yeah. Let, let us know what the nicknames are out there for your town. You know, because Claremont, catfish is a real thing. So it's not like that much of a nickname. It, it is a real place. But catfish, we can go there. So you can go G Vegas, L.A., whatever. From Five for La- twelve says Lancaster area is two. Timo Lenore area. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm gonna start using that too with players. I'm gonna say he's the Timo version of. Well, we we need to really try to if Amir Smith Marset continues to be used this way. Yes. Timo Tyreek is a great nickname. <laughs> I like that too. If I, I really hope he's more involved, and if it's nothing, not even for him, like it's all selfish at this point. I want him to be involved in the offense, so we can call him Timo Tyreek. 
and have a real explosive weapon here in Carolina. All right, speaking of North Carolina, from L.A. to Motown to Charlotte, we've had 11 different inductees into this North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame class, including some of the athletes in the Charlotte area. And let's start with Steve Smith. There's Randolph Childress, Bob McKillop, Jim Nance as well. We'll get to some of the others. But Steve Smith now joins Julius Peppers and Sam Mills in the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. You guys know what Steve's resume is. He's your favorite Panther, one of your favorite Panthers. He joins Kyle Bailey every Monday. He's 8th all-time in receiving yards, 12th all-time in receptions. He played 13 of his 16 seasons for Carolina, and in 05, he turned in one of the most incredible individual seasons the sport has ever seen, winning the Triple Crown. Darren Gant has more on this with the uh, induction on Panthers.com. And so, I'll use this as a platform to continue a conversation we've had multiple times on this show here, Wes. Is it about damn time that Steve Smith gets in the NFL Hall of Fame, not just North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame? What do you think? I think he's certainly worthy. It's just what the NFL Hall of Fame has always been notorious for receivers being in a log jam. I don't have to say who's in front of him, but yeah, I certainly think that he's worthy. I hate it so much that because just with Steve Smith being eighth all time in receiving yards, here are the guys that are ahead of him. Tim Brown, Tony Gonzalez, Isaac Bruce, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Larry Fitzgerald, Jerry Rice. Those are the guys that are ahead of Steve Smith. And here's the thing. If you want to say that we don't, I think we all agree that Steve Smith was absolutely incredible. One thing that is underrated about him, he was balling in Baltimore too. Yes. If you look at his last season of production, I think he had 800 receiving yards. If he wanted to continue his career, I still think he would have been a good player. No, not triple crown worthy anymore, just because father time is undefeated. But Steve Smith, he was battling father time and putting up a pretty damn good fight. So even with that, I wonder just how many other years that he could have put up some pretty good stats. Uh, I've hated it. It's been one of my soapboxes for a long time. The way that the Hall of Fame works, whether it be baseball, even in the NFL. And you're right, Wes, especially with wide receivers. Mm -hmm. Just you have to go through all you have to go through how many induction or how many eligibilities. I don't know if that makes sense. Like Heinz Ward right now is in his eighth year as a semifinalist. Reggie Wayne is in his fifth. You got Anquan Bowden that's up now. Andre Johnson, Steve Smith, Torrey Holt. 10-time semifinalist, Torrey Holt. I mean, that, he should certainly that be That one, too. Like Steve Smith, Torrey Holt, those are the ones that kill me the most. Torrey Holt was incredible. If you, I think there's a seven-streak season of him mm-hmm. reaching 1,300 receiving yards. 10-time semifinalist. I, I mean, I like Hans. Well, any of these guys, yeah. to me, man, they're oh, yeah, all for deserving. Sure. For sure. I, and, I, and I don't even think, too, like we're flirting with the, oh, well, now you just let everybody in. No, those are the best receivers no, we've ever this seen. This is the cream of the crop. Yeah. It, and, and Steve Smith, by the way, on the all-time receiving yards list, is ahead of all those guys that you just mentioned. Ahead of every single one of them. Yeah, I mean, clearly there are other stats that you can compare him to and say, oh, this guy deserves consideration more than the other. But Steve Smith should be in. All that, it doesn't matter. Uh, we should be celebrating. Steve quick Smith in the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame alongside Julius Peppers and Sam I was say, quick aside, when the hell did Andre Johnson play for the Colts and the Titans? Well, I remember when the Colts decided, I think it was still Ryan Grigson, they decided, you know what, let's get all the stars of the early 2000s. <laughs> and they signed Frank Gore, and they signed Andre Johnson. They went after Trent Cole. And decided, you know what? This is the team, and then they got bounced. I don't even think they, I don't think they got real close to the playoffs. And Andre Johnson just did nothing that year. Yeah, man. But yeah, so Smitty, I think he's gonna get in. I think it's just gonna take some time. 
I think it is too. I hope he's going to get in. I, you just never know with these voters, man. It's so frustrating. Uh, somebody else they got in the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. How about Bob McKillop, longtime coach for Davidson, having that magical run to the Elite Eight, almost the Final Four with Steph Curry. And we know how much North Carolina and Charlotte thinks of Steph Curry, now one of the best basketball players to ever lace him up. But Bob McKillop, even before Steph and even after, Wes Davidson continuing to be a team that their goal was always, can we get to the NCAA tournament? They did have that magical run, but that was always the goal. He's inducted. I certainly a no brainer there as well. Bob McKillop um, being inducted in the North Carolina sports hall of fame. Glad that he was able to, to reach that only a few years after him retiring. From yeah, his job. certainly man. The silver Fox as Stephen Curry called him in mm-hmm. his latest Apple uh, TV. Uh, That's right. Bio. Uh, Go doc. Documentary. Yes, documentary. Um, and I think, too, you know, for my money, that Davidson moment is up there in Queen City sports history, man. I'll never forget that run that they went on, man. And I, I watched a couple of those games at Sports Bar, especially the Georgetown one. I mean, that was just a tremendous, tremendous time. And what he was able to do with that program, uh, just consistent, did the, you know, the most with what he had. This wasn't a guy reeling in five-star, four-star, hell, probably even three-star guys like that, not on a consistent basis, man. And he just got the most out of his talent with those teams. You talk about incredibly kind, too. That guy, and it doesn't matter where you see him, he's always so happy to shake your hand, say hello, really take an interest in who you are. You know, there's there's plenty of people that are nice and keep it moving, which is totally fine. They have lives, too. Bob McKillop has always been one of those guys that is genuinely interested in who you are as a person and will be there to chat for five, 10 minutes and then keep it moving after that. Instead of just shaking your hand, just to say you met him. Hey, how are you doing? And then move on. Bob McKillop, a a great guy. Last one here. Let's give Wake Forest some love. Randolph Childress also inducted in the North Carolina sports hall of fame. Here's what I like about this because, and, and it's exactly why these hall of fames exist. It's to give love to maybe legend is, I don't know. I'll let you decide whether legend is the right word, but fond sports memories that might not get recognized on a national level, but Randolph Childress was a problem. We'll all have our memory of crossing up Jeff McGinnis saying to come back and defend him and then, you know, finish the play. We'll all see him as one of the best players that we've watched in ACC. And so for him to be recognized a part of some Hall of Fame, because just within ACC basketball at the height of its popularity, too, or among the heights there, like I'm glad that he's in and they're giving somebody a nod. That was a real problem, even if it's just regionally. Like, even nationally at the time, people knew who Randolph Childress was, and he was great, but did not have this illustrious NBA career or anything like that. But even still, he's recognized here. And that's what I like about these Hall of Fames that exist. Certainly, when you talk about what the ACC tournament means to the state of North Carolina and what great ACC basketball means, and you talk about the last time Wake Forest was worth a hoot in basketball for the most part as far as making some runs, uh, this was the guy. Uh, Childress and Tim Duncan, and you know you got a couple of others sprinkled in there. But Randolph Childress had arguably 
you know, one of the greatest one-year runs in a tournament, but he had two seasons where he was dominant in the ACC tournament. So I think it's well-deserved for him. All right, let's go to the text line. we got some people writing in uh, nicknames for their city and also some of this Hall of Fame conversation. Five for 12 makes a great point. Smitty should get a one-and-a-half bonus for that career under John Foxball. <laughs> the fact that he was able to accumulate all of those stats. Uh, 803 was asking about Andre Johnson, whether he should get in. Yes, I think Andre Johnson oh, yeah. should get in. Absolutely. Brendan wrote in about some of the nicknames for their towns. He said back in the day, Tika K was Little Reno. Um, <laughs> I like Little Reno. I've been to Reno. Furthest point west I've ever been. Reno, Nevada. How? Why? Biggest little city in the world. Just a West Coast road trip, and we just didn't quite make it to Lake Tahoe in the California area, and then we just turned back around. Why did they decide to name it after Reno? Like, that's a odd. Like, most places would name themselves after large cities, some of the more yeah. well-known cities. Reno is one that's a little bit of a head-scratcher. So they somebody claim, could clarify that, why they picked Reno of all places. I don't know. They claim to be the biggest little town in the country. Mm. I think that's right for, for Reno. Delvis the Rock said uh, Ansonville is a town. See, I, I need to know if people are just making this stuff up. <laughs> There's <laughs> been a lot know. of nicknames coming in. That's right. That I've never heard any of these places because when somebody said Gasonia, it was G Vegas, and I'm like, I've never, I know That's Gas House, yeah, but not G Vegas. Yeah, Greenville is G Vegas. That's what I've always uh, associated it with. For real, all right. I do think walking people just get. I know. And just <laughs> that, which is fine, honestly. I'm here for that too. <laughs> McAlpine Doug said Marshville is Marsh Vegas. All right, now we have to be creative. No more Vegas. Vegas. Nope. Your town, <laughs> you can't be Vegas anymore. I'm sorry. Okay, it's only Greenville. You can only be G Vegas. What do y'all call Concord, Wes? I don't call it anything. I'm not a Concord native, so I don't know what they would call it. Y'all don't call it like the Cord or something like that? No. <laughs> the Cord. <laughs> y'all meet you back No, the I don't cord, know. Man. I'd have to ask. I mean, I know the people that live there that are from there are Concordians, but I would have to see. I'll, I'll ask around. Next time I go, right. I say, hey, you know, what is the nickname for Concord around? Because I know it's something. I mean, I know Winston-Salem is the Trey Four. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah I, so that that's one that's not made up. We even have yeah. texters from the nickname title of their town, like Gas House Earl is writing in. We know where he's from. We know where Chris I mean, from Trey 4 is from. Kershaw, South Carolina from uh, how many places? K-Town. There's a bunch of those. I think they call Kannapolis K-Town. That was always like when we talked about the best sports nicknames ever. Could you really count KG or AI? When you just basically go with the initials yeah. of some of these athletes. Uh, 704224 number says Concord is Con City. I ain't never heard of that in my life. <laughs> I like Con it. Con City. I mean, Con City. I, that I sounds really... like a place where you're going to get scammed, where the scammers are. Yeah, watch out, man. You don't want to come around Con City. That's right. That's right. Use your credit card if you want in Con City, homie. <laughs> <laughs> it's Wesson Walker. <laughs> Two more hours left to go. It's the Campus Corner coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.